0: The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. "'Men of Galilee,' they said, "'why do you stand here looking into the sky?' This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven.
1: It's a real privilege to be able to introduce Emily. A lot of you know what Emily She's been running around for course uh, recently. It's been going really, really well. She's also um, potentially up for eldership as well. <laughs> so this is not an interview or anything, Emily. Don't worry. Um, but if it goes badly, you can let me know. No, it's fun. Have you got a mic? Sorry. Can I just show people this note that you've put on your... Is that okay? Yeah. It's just got a big slowdown written on it, It's just fantastic. <laughs> when Emily gets excited, like me, we just end up talking those, don't we? So um, you'll be fantastic. This is like one of a, t- a two-week mini-series, so Acts 1 this week, Acts 2 next week. And uh, I'm really aware that next week it's Big Church Festival, it's bank holiday, <laughs> and also it's the school holidays. So if all four of us could be here, that'd be really good. Next week. Uh, but we're looking at what it means to be filled with the Spirit next week with an opportunity for that to happen as well. So looking at Ephesians 5 and bringing that in. Um, so if you are around next week and you're thinking, oh, my, I came this week, so I'm going, please come next week <laughs> because there won't be many of us here, but we'll, the ones that will be here will be a fantastic morning looking at Pentecost, looking at what it means to be filled with the Spirit as well. So um, please come along next week. Can I pray for you and then hand over to you. Thanks, Emily. Lord, I thank you for my sister in Christ. I thank you for your love for her. I pray right now that she might know and sense your love in greater measure as you anoint her, you pour out your words through her. May you bring your word alive, Lord, in greater ways than we've ever seen it before through Emily. Bless her and uh, use your daughter now in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you. So I've been asked today by Jim to speak about the ascension of Christ. Um, When he first asked me, my first thought honestly was there are literally no jokes to be had today, so I apologise, it's quite, um, quite a straight sermon, but that's okay. Um, I find it really interesting that as our church tradition, we just don't focus on the ascension very much, do we? We quite rightly talk loads and loads about Jesus's birth, about his death and about his resurrection, but we never ever talk about his ascension. I don't think I've ever personally heard it spoken about in a sermon. In fact, um, I've been a Christian 38 years, I'm a second-year Bible uh, school student, and I had to use Google to tell me when Ascension Day was this year. Anyone know? When was Ascension Day this year? Hey, well done. Fran knew. She knew it was I was preaching. It was it was Thursday this year. Okay, as I said, sometimes uh, sermons can have a practical application. They, um, we can get a lot from our life, and sometimes we just learn a lot about Jesus. And I think um, this sermon is probably the latter, but that's okay. I've discovered in finding out about the Ascension, how important it is. So when we look at the cross, we should always do that, thinking about the resurrection. And I believe as well, as when we look at the resurrection, we should always do that, keeping the um, Ascension in mind. Today's talk has lots and lots of Bible in it. But don't worry, I'm going to have it all on the main screen so you can see it, okay, because there's lots to get through. So let's go for it. Okay, so the Ascension played a really important part in the early church, In his first sermon, Peter in in Acts 2 at Pentecost talks about Jesus being exalted to the right hand of God. Um, In 1 Timothy 3, Paul talks about, it looks like he's quoting a song actually, where he's talking about Jesus taken into glory. It's there throughout the New Testament, they're talking of the ascension. In fact, when um, the early Christians got around to writing creeds or statements of faith, the ascension always um, played a part of that. Up on the screen should be the Apostles' Creed one of the very first creeds we had. And it says this, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again and descended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will, lud- uh, we will he will judge, the living and the dead. It's right there, when the early Christians had to sum up Jesus in just 70 words, the ascension gets a mention. So, we've seen it's important to the early Christians, so let's have a little look at this overlooked event in the life of Christ. Uh, The ascension's mentioned twice in the Bible, two specific accounts, both by Luke, one in his gospel and one, thanks Diane, brilliantly read out in Acts 1. Okay, so let's just put this into historical context first. So Acts 1, verse 3 says this. After his suffering, such Jesus' death and resurrection, he presents himself to them, the disciples, and gives many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he's around, he's, around, he's, he's come back from the dead, and he's around 40 days, he's eating with and speaking to and teaching the disciples. And then verse 9, it says this, after he says this, he was taken up before their very eyes and the cloud hid him from their sight. Okay, so we've got Jesus dies on Good Friday, three days later he rises again on uh, Easter Sunday, and then 40 days later he's taken into heaven. Okay, so the when and the what pretty simple. I reckon we can all get that. But it's the why that's the confusing bit. Have you ever wondered why? Why Jesus ascended? In Alpha, one of the questions we ask people is this. If Jesus was to turn up tonight, what would you ask him? And actually, every time I ask these these seekers and these baby Christians that question, it gets me thinking. It gets me thinking and daydreaming, if you like. What would I do? Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus was around? Wouldn't It, be, like, it, it just gets me thinking about what it would be like if Jesus hadn't ascended but he did ascend, and in fact, Jesus says, when he's in the Last Supper, talking to the disciples, he says this to them. There you go. Keep going, verse 9. He says this. That's it, thank you. He says, but, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good I'm going away. So Jesus said to the disciples, it's for their good that he was going to leave. And so by implication, it's, it's for our good that he left. And yet it doesn't make sense. And yet, later on we see something similar happens in the, in the, after the resurrection when he's speaking to Mary Magdalene. Do you remember? When she first sees him, she doesn't recognize him. And then suddenly she does. And I'm gonna, I guess from the scripture, she, she must run over and try and grab him. And Jesus says this to him, says this to her. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. This doesn't seem to be a physical thing. Jesus is not anti-hugging, unfortunately. So Jesus is okay with, he's okay with the physical touch. In fact, later in that same chapter, if you remember, he encourages a doubting Thomas to hold his hands, to put his hands through his scars. So it's not about touch. He's not saying to Mary, don't touch me. He's saying, don't cling or hold to me. Let me go. I've got to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to be ascended to my father. He's implying it's going to be better for her if he does. Okay, so... Why is it better? Why is it better that Jesus needed to ascend then? This morning I want to share four reasons that I believe scripture tells us why it is good that uh, Jesus ascended, why the ascension is important. I, I'm a good Baptist. I wanted three. Uh, I limited it down quite a lot, but four is, is the very fewest I can do it. So we're going to do four reasons, okay? First reason, reason one, is that the ascension is when Jesus was enthroned it was the enthronement of Jesus if you like it was a coronation of Jesus okay we had a coronation this month didn't we for king charles iii fab wasn't it look at that picture love it okay who watched it anyone watch on the telly yeah everyone anyone go to london and be part of it who was that me? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Just me. <laughs> I thought somebody else was mad enough then. I was there in a bin bag doing my bit for king and country. It was great. It was a great, great day, wasn't it? A really great day to celebrate, as um, Trev said, our earthly king. Oh, go back, go back. Come on, look at the picture a sec. Can we get the picture back up? Oh. Sorry. There you go. Sorry, it's just such a fab picture of King Charles, I don't want to rush off it. I wanted to show you one little thing. The reason I picked that picture is because King Charles is carrying the orb. And he carries that, and I'm sure if you saw the ceremony, you you know why. He carries that to remind us that even though he is king of the United Kingdom, he acknowledges and realises that the cross, Jesus is king of the whole world. Jesus has dominion over the whole world. And the Ascension Day is when Jesus becomes king of kings. Okay, it's the day that God validates and approves of everything Jesus has done. It's the grand finale, if you like, of his earthly ministry. It's the completion of everything he came to earth to do. And we see this, we see it really clearly shown to us in Philippians 2. Do you know that famous passage where we see that Jesus humbles himself, he becomes nothing, he becomes like a servant, and he, he's obedient to God and even to death on a cross. And then we see this, uh, Philippians 2 verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on heaven in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, we think of ascension and descension as and ascend and descend as spatial terms. We go up and we come down. But actually it's more than that. It's about it's about status, it's about authority. When Jesus descended to earth, he came down, he humbled himself, he became nothing. And then when he ascends, he gets that exaltation. he becomes king. In fact, actually, it's interesting that we see this actual event um, prophesied in the Old Testament. If you look at the book of Daniel, Daniel 7, there you go, it's up there, cool, lots of verses. Daniel 7 says this, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me, was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion was an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom, that's Jesus' kingdom, is one that will never, ever be destroyed. We had a really great ser- series, uh, series of sermons at the beginning of the year on the kingdom of God and how it affects our life. And actually, I'd really encourage you, if you've forgotten some of that, to go back. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, go back and have a little look at some of that stuff about Jesus and his kingdom and King, King Jesus ruling that whole kingdom. So that's our first reason. The first reason the ascension is important is the fact that it was, a, it was the day that Jesus was in, enthroned as king and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And, and that leads us nicely into the second reason the ascension is important. And that is when Jesus became our high priest at the right hand of the Father. This is the commencement of his high priestly duties. Okay, so to understand what that means, we need to go back a bit and see a little bit what being a high priest in the Old Testament was like. So in the, um, whole, in the Old Testament, the Levitical priests, the high priest particularly, had a really important job. And their biggest day of the year, the most important day of the year for them was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And they had four jobs okay, as, as priests. First thing they had to do is they had to sacrifice for sin. So what they did is a, a spotless, blameless animal was chosen and he, it was killed for the wrongdoings of the people. Then they took that sacrifice and they ascended to the, to the Holy of Holies, the part of the temple that was separated off and was just where God was, where God was, where the presence was of God was. And they took the sacrifice there and they presented it to God. Once that sacrifice process had been completed, they then interceded to God for the people. They prayed for the people and they, they, they uh, interceded for them. And then the final step that they did on that day was that they then blessed the people, from God. So they were mediating, if you like, between God and the people. They were passing on the people's um, prayers of repentance and then they were getting blessed. That's how it, how it worked. Okay, so on Ascension Day, I think it's quite cool that we, we forget this, that the sacrifice on the cross was the, was, was the first part of the process. The second part of that process is when Jesus himself, now Jesus is the sacrifice on the cross. He's died once and for all. He's the ultimate sacrifice and then he ascends to heaven and then he walks into the Holy of Holies. Not the real, not the made Holy of Holies in the temple, the real Holy of Holies where God the Father is sat in heaven and he presents himself and God says, yes, yes. That is an acceptable sacrifice. I accept that sacrifice once and for all. And Jesus sits. Hebrews 7 puts it this way. A minute, I'm listening a verse. I've missed a verse, but that's okay. So, Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore, he is able to do completely those who come to him. He always lives to a seed, intercede for them. I'm gonna see if I am find this verse because I really like it. don't so. there. There you go, this is it. Hebrews 10, chapter 11. Day after day, the priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered the all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. See, Jesus has completed everything we needed to do. So he's there, he's finished, the sacrifice is finished. And now his only job left, I'm back on track now, now his only job left is to intercede. So he, that's what he does. Hebrews 7 puts it this way. Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He's, he's constantly living he, and he's constantly interceding. In fact, Paul confirms it this way in Timothy, in his letter to Timothy. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Notice there that Paul uses the term man. It's really important that when Jesus gets to heaven, he's fully God, but he's still fully man. He's still alive, he's still in a body, he's still fully man. And why that's important is it because he means he understands us, he's experienced what we've experienced, he's lived on earth, he's had all that experience that he's done, and he's still a man in heaven. Um, Hebrews 4 puts it beautifully. It says this Hebrews 4 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we do have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach then God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I find that amazing that we, we as human beings can approach God's throne because Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, is there and he's interceding for us and he's welcoming us. I loved earlier, I was watching when the band were uh, rehearsing, a little kid just jumped on the stage and interrupted the rehearsals because it was his dad and he could. And we can interrupt God and we can go to God's throne because he's our dad and because Jesus is interceding for us there. See, Jesus isn't geographically limited anymore. When he was on earth, he, um, for example, he couldn't be preaching in Jerusalem And healing, I don't know, in Heath, He couldn't be in lots of different places at once. But now, I know it'd be good to everyone. But now he's in heaven. He can be everywhere. He can see everything. He can deal with every situation. We can approach him day or night at any time. And he wants to hear from us. He's living to intercede for us. So that's the first two reasons. Jesus is king. He's enthroned in heaven. And Jesus, our high priest, sat at the right hand of the Father. Well, what I find interesting, we haven't even got yet to the reason Jesus gave us, why it was better that he should go. So let's have a little look. Let's go back to that verse 16 of uh, chapter John, uh, John chapter 16 and have a little look. It says this, but very truly I tell you, maybe it does in a minute, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And this is it. Unless I go away, right? keep going forwards. I'll read it out anyway. Okay. For very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's John chapter 16, verse 7. It says this as well in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you who will be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Now that another is not a sort of different thing. That's an additional thing. We we get we get them both. There we go. So we get an advocate. Okay. So our third reason that it was good and important that Jesus ascended is that Jesus's return to heaven enables us to receive the Holy Spirit. Enables the Holy Spirit to come. In our uh, in the verses that Diane read the Holy Spirit gets mentioned uh, three times. It says this in verse four, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift the Father has promised. If you remember that gift was promised um, through the prophecy of Joel, we were told that we'd get the spirit then and it says, which we've heard me speak about. And then in verse five, it says this, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, in verse 9, it says that there, uh, verse 8, sorry, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. As Jim just mentioned, next week is Pentecost, and we're going to be celebrating when the Holy Spirit does come. and So I'm not going to unpack too much of that today, because that's going to be all for Jim next week. But I just want to just just say this one thing, really. I think that, that, is that, and that God with us Becomes God in us. The ascension. The disciples had Jesus with them. We get to have the God, the Holy Spirit, inside us. I just want to pause for a second and just take that on board. We, we say these truths sometimes, don't we? And we, we sometimes get really blase about it. But I just want to stop just for a second, and just think. God lives in us. If you're here today and you're a Christian, if you're watching online, if you're hi in to say hello, if you're watching from the north, if if you are a Christian, God, the Holy Spirit, is inside you. I don't, That just blows me sometimes. Blows my mind. Um, there's so much we could say, isn't there, about the Holy Spirit. We could talk about the gifts he gives us. We could um, talk about how he guides us in all light. We could talk about uh, the fruits of the Spirit, couldn't we? We like the fruits of the Spirit, the, fruits that, the fruit that we see in our lives through the Spirit. Let's have a go. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Right, I always remember that song. Remember that the, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut, but it is all nine of those, okay? It's really important to remember them. We could talk about that. We could talk about how um, the Holy Spirit convicts us, how it points us to Jesus, how he um, enables us to pray. There's so, so many blessings that we get that God has given us. Jesus has given us as the Holy. Has the priest. He's given us the Holy Spirit, He's given us all those blessings. In fact, Ephesians 1 says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, every blessing in the spirit we get. But I just want to focus maybe on one little part of that um, that verse that we looked at where it says that um, I've got to go away because I can send a comforter. That word comforter or advocate um, it comes from the Greek parakletos. It's someone who is called to come alongside someone else. In, in Greek, you probably know this in Greece in the time, uh, a paraklete was like a, a family barrister. He was somebody who would come alongside them. He would help them out if they are in trouble. He would be there to give them strength and to comfort. And that's exactly uh, why the, the comforter's there. So let's, let's look at some of the synonyms. We've got helper, comforter advocate, intercessor, counsellor, strengthener, standby. We get all that through the ascension. Um, the Holy is called the counsellor four times in the book of John, and the only other time the word uh, paracletos appears in the New Testament is in 1 John. It says this, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a paraclete, with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. So just, it's, I think it's just so cool. We have an advocate in heaven. Jesus is there at the right hand of the Father, interceding and advocating for us, right there in heaven, and at the same time with us. No, no, no. Inside us, we have the Holy Spirit advocating for us. I hopefully you can see now why the Ascension is such a great day and such a good thing to celebrate. This is it, my fourth reason as to why the ascension is important. And that is, um, this final one is that Jesus is coming back just as he left. Right at the very end of that reading, in Acts 1, 10 to 11, we see this. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going. And suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. You see, so far, everything we've said, Jesus being enthroned as king, Jesus interceding for us as our great high priest, the Holy Spirit working as advocate inside us is all wonderful right? But there's still this concept, Haley referred to it a couple of weeks ago, this concept of now and not yet. We know so much has changed, but we know there's much to do. You see, God's kingdom isn't yet complete, but one day it will be. There's still sin in our lives, but one day that will stop. There is still evil all around us but one day that will be destroyed. There's still death and sadness but one day Jesus promises that he will dry every tear and there will be no more death or sickness. The ascension reminds us of the promise that one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule over everyone and everything. He's going to come back as a triumphant king to claim his own. Okay, um, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 says this, describing the second coming. For the Lord himself, that's Jesus, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then in Revelation 1 verse 7 we see this. Look, he is coming with the clouds. He left on the clouds, he's coming back on the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Joe, you know I love the phrase, go big or go home, right? This is Jesus he's gonna, when he comes back, he's gonna go big and he's gonna take us home. Okay. Christ's return will be breathtaking, right? It will be unmistakable, it will be dramatic. It will be magnificent, and it will be completely obvious to every single person on earth. I don't know about you, I cannot wait for that day. Amen? Yeah, Yeah, um, thanks. Amen. But until then, what now? Okay. We talked earlier, Jim said, if I walk with Jesus is just a mental exercise. We've learned, hopefully we've learned a bit today. There's a lot to learn about God, and it's good and it's great, and we need to be studying our Bibles and we need to be learning about God. It's really important. But our walk can't just be a, a, a merely an intellectual exercise. It's, it's got to be about knowing more things but then using that to live our lives. Um, somebody who loved me once said to me, Emily, your problem isn't with knowledge, it's with obedience. Ouch. But they were right. Okay, um, we need to live a response to Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his ascension so what does this mean for our daily life so I think there are three things that that could be okay, we're called to a life of remembrance okay, Jesus died on the cross but he's no longer on the cross he is reigning as king we're going to join with communion in a minute and we remember that And I just wonder, what would it look like for you? What would it look like for me if we elevated Jesus to that position of king of our life? Not just on Sundays, but day in, day out, king of our life. And I just wonder, do you need to recommit today to submitting to Jesus as king of your life? So that's the first one. We're called to a life of remembrance. We're called to a life of taking heart. Jesus is a king, yeah, that's great, we need to have him as king in our life, we need to submit to that kingship, but he's not distant from us. He's not unsympathetic. He knows your pain, he knows your struggles, he knows your areas of sin, and he's interceding for you daily. We have a king that went through the human experience. We had a king who died on the cross, and he now acts as that high priest, as counsellor, A meditator. What does it mean for you knowing that he identifies with your experiences? I was just thinking, we've just gone through a church, haven't we, through the Set Apart series. And as part of that, we were encouraged, weren't we, to take areas of our life, areas of sin in our life, and just take him to the cross. And maybe today... Maybe God's just saying to you, there's, there's still an area of sin in your life that you need to hand over to me, and, um, but don't be scared to do so because you're not going to get met with judgment and shouting and anger. Jesus is going to meet you in, in mercy and in grace. And so maybe for you today, um, that's something you need to just do, bring that area of sin to him. Or maybe the third thing we need to do is we need to live a, um, so we've got a life of remembrance, a life of taking heart, And then thirdly, a life of hope. We have a glorious future. Jesus' return is coming. The Bible says it's coming. It is coming. He's going to come day. He's going to fully rule. And he's going to reign in wisdom and love and power. And maybe just today, maybe what God's saying to you is, don't give hope. Don't give up hope. Just keep going. Have hope in that future. It's on its way.